and welcome back to the Pinstripe Alley Podcast 2022 edition. We made it into another year, and I'm joined, as always, by Kunshaw. How are you doing? Yeah, I mean, the big news, Greg Bird (laughs) back, right? That's all we're talking about, right? The Yankees finally made a major splash at first base, and that is uh, bringing Greg Bird back on a minor league deal. Yeah, to play first base in Scranton, you know, very important. (laughs) Noble work. (laughs) Yes, good job. Good job. Good job, everyone. Good job, team. We did it. Yep. Freddie Freeman, we don't need you. Matt Olson, we don't need you. We got Greg Bird. Yes. Oh, and Anthony Rizzo, too, but whatever. Yeah, I guess that was the more relevant uh, reunion, but whatever. <laughs> we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, like, Greg Bird's just going to hang out in AAA for a while. It's it's fine. But yeah. the actual, there were some big moves that were made in the offseason that uh, the Twitter spaces has already gone over. And, you know, at this point is old news, but we're going to, you know, rehash what happened just so that we're all on the same page with the roster. And it feels like as of recording, they we had been scheduled to record an hour ago and we did not have much opening day roster confirmation. But it seems like we got the last few spots finalized, too. So we'll be able to journey down the quest of figuring out who is on this team together. Yeah, the delay just helps us so we don't sound like idiots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So probably the biggest move of the offseason. Gary Sanchez, Gio Urshela, were traded to the Twins for Josh Donaldson, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and Ben Wortvet, who has uh, pretty much immediately lost his job because he is injured, but apparently they knew that going in. But either way, uh, that's that was the big move. They got Josh Donaldson in to play third and said farewell to Gary Sanchez. Yeah, I have, like, obviously mixed feelings about this move. I mean, people who've listened to us or whatever know that I think you and I both were Gary Sanchez fans, but, you know, especially last year, it got tougher and tougher to kind of defend him at times. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm happy for him to kind of get like a fresh start somewhere. Do I think the Yankees are in a better position in the catching spot than they were, you know, before the trade? No, I don't. Because these who they have on the roster between uh, Rortved, Degashioka, and now Jose Trevino, they're all great defensive catchers, but none of them can hit. So I'm not really excited about that. But, you know, you got Josh Donaldson to come in and bring some rain, to rain on the parade. How many more rain jokes can we come up with? Oh, the Yankees Twitter account is already getting a little bit obnoxious with it. But, I mean, <laughs> I I, we, all, we already knew that was coming. Yeah, I've seen that. And then uh, at least defensively, shortstop will be an upgrade. So with uh, yeah. falafel, falafel, as I like to call him. Yeah, it's like, we, obviously, we would have preferred the Yankees just, you know, do the obvious thing, sign Carlos Correa or get one of these other shortstops out there. But it didn't happen. Whatever. I, I've sort of, I'm, I'm sort of over the anger now, but I mean, it's, it'll probably crop up the moment that I see kind of falafel, like strike out with runners on base or something. But or just like weekly ground out. <laughs> yeah, but he'll at least be a good defensive shortstop. And after seeing what Gleyber Torres did last year, it's uh, yeah, we need that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, I was angry about it. I'm still angry about it. But at the same time, I knew to expect kind of like this type of scenario. So I'm both angry and okay with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's like and, I felt the same way about the moving on from Gary Sanchez, too, because I've always been a big Gary Sanchez guy. And I think right. that his bat is something you don't just don't really find behind the plate. But I do know how much of a struggle I had been defensively, especially in recent years. And I could see the Yankees calculus. They see maybe a Gary Higgy regular season only gives you a little bit more value than this all defensive plan. And, you know, Cal's always about saving that top dollar. So it doesn't surprise me that they would, you know, move on from Gary Sanchez's salary for this year and try to do it for get the same value for cheaper cost. And, you know, it might, they might fall on their faces, but at the very least, the pitchers, I think, will enjoy uh, the better catcher defense behind the plate. And maybe Higashioka wants to continue his spring power display. I don't know if he will, but it's been really funny watching him hit spring training home runs. Yeah, he's, you know, he, he, he tends to have these random like power outbursts. I think last year he had what, like the three in a week or something like that. Yeah. And then like, I think it was him who started his career with only hitting home runs and then nothing else. Yeah. It's like the only hits you get would be home runs. The kid who only hit home runs. (laughs) So, yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely, I could definitely squint and see why the Yankees made this move. It definitely makes sense. I just personally don't love it because like, I don't love the idea and 
mainly because like all right you can live with like one spot in the lineup as like a black hole like offensively who are just randomly going to do something for you every once in a while but I think there's a a lot more question marks to this offense and we'll get into this a little bit later about just like what the rest of the team will deliver because offense was the biggest issue we had last year and then just completely saying all right we're going to go with basically a lineup of eight eight hitters instead of nine is not a strategy I would have gone with. Yeah, and maybe <laughs> maybe even seven and a half hitters, depending on how high you are on Connor Falefa, because he's very much like a singles kind of guy, which you know right. is useful from time to time, but he's not going to be the same kind of bad at shortstop that we'd be used to. Or if we're like, you know, assuming we're we're just putting him basically in Gio Rochelle's place. He's probably not going to be the same kind of hitter that Gio was. But Gio yeah. had also fallen off a little bit in the last uh, last year after his yeah. great 2019 and 20 so right. and then like before we move on to other moves I, do, I will just add that like the reason i'm not as mad about this trade or situation or whatever you want to call it is because i'll be honest i was expecting pretty much all these moves to be made may not expecting gary to be uh, gary sanchez to be traded but may, may, is, like these, a lot of these moves didn't come as a shock to me but the one that did was bringing josh donaldson in yeah that, that kind of came out of nowhere and i'm a big fan of josh donaldson and his bat so you know, I think that kind of helped ease this the discomfort, for lack of a better term. So we'll see. Yeah, I think there's there's it's fair to be a little concerned about how his body will hold up over the full season. But I do know that he stayed healthy for most of last year in Minnesota. Um, right. And I think getting that bat in there will be pretty nice. He's a it's a different kind of power swing than I think the other power bats in that lineup. Right. So we'll see. Um, but. Yeah. We'll go into the the boring move next. Just bring back Anthony Rizzo. It's like okay, yeah, cool. You're here. <laughs> it's better than them having done nothing. Yeah, because I don't they, think it was a tenable solution to try to run run the Luke Voigt plan again. I right. I think with another small move that we'll get into, he was traded. Luke Voigt was traded to San Diego not long after they re-signed Rizzo, and I think he'll have a good fresh start there as a DH, and he'll be able to play every day. I think so. Hopefully. He does better there. Wish him the best, but you they couldn't count on him. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like you you can like Luke Boyd as much as you want, but if you're going to season with just him as your first base plan and DJ backing him up, you're gonna you're setting yourself up for disaster again. And again, this is not saying that you know we want him to be injured or anything. Hopefully he stays healthy all year and mashes because we know he can hit. And yeah, I think San Diego is a good spot for him where he can, you know, play every day. If they go go through with their plan of trading Eric Hosmer somehow, then he don't he can move over. <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's good to see him. You know, just get an opportunity because obviously, you know, if you bring back Rizzo defensively, he's a uh, uh, light years ahead of uh, Luke Voigt. so he's sure. basically manning first base. And then DH is going to be, you know, hopefully a revolving door. Obviously, mostly occupied by John Carlos Stanton, but you know, Judge Gallo Donaldson they're all going to need their time there at the DH spot. So there's really just no room to have some guy who's going to play maybe like once every other week or something. Yeah. Yeah. They did what they had to do. And Rizzo, again, he's not going to be the flashiest signing, but he's going to probably put in 20, 25 home runs. He'll play good defense. Uh, He's fine. All right. Yeah. He'll be fine. Yeah. I'm not mad at the move. I'm just, I wish it was more. Yeah, it's more like they decided to refill their glass of water rather than, you know, getting a more interesting beverage, shall we say. But they also did not leave their, you know, kind of gross, murky half water. That's true. (laughs) Filled with backwash. (laughs) (laughs) Just to make this a very, very pleasing podcast to listen to. Picture it, visualize it. Mm Mm-hmm. Think mm-hmm. about it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Let it swirl. There we go. <laughs> mm. And then, yeah, like, those are obviously the two big moves, uh, I think, from from the offseason standpoint. There's a few other, like, smaller moves. Like, they made a trade with the Mets. Uh, Joely Rodriguez was sent to the Mets for, in exchange for Miguel Castro, which mm-hmm. is like a reliever for reliever swap, which I'm, I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a... It was a move that definitely makes sense for both teams because I think the Mets yeah. needed a little bit more lefty reliability in their bullpen. And the Yankees were dealing from a position of strength there since they already have like Licky there and some other good lefties. And they could afford to, you know, dispatch Joelle and take a chance on a guy like Miguel Castro, who he walks a lot of people, but he's got some really great 
potential and he's flashed that at points we've seen him before in the AL East when he was on the Orioles too and when he first came up with Toronto so I think you give him to Matt Blake Mike Harkey they might be able to figure out something with him and turn him into a really good arm so yeah why not yeah yeah I mean Matt Blake has shown an ability to like kind of produce these kind of wonderful relievers so you have somebody who already has the talent just needs a little bit of tweaking and Matt Blake might be just the guy to do it you know, worst case scenario, if he's exactly the same as he was with the Mets, you're still not getting a bad reliever. <laughs> right. And they get some relief depth, too. So I think. Yeah, exactly. And one of the reasons that they had some relief depth, they also traded Albert Abreu, who was out of options. You think he might have been decent in the back of the bullpen, but it's not the end of the world, especially considering that they packaged him with one of their draft picks from last year, Robbie Alstrom, to the Rangers, and they got a more legitimate backup catcher in Jose Trevino, who I feel better about than Ben Rovet, just because he was such a roll of the dice. And at least Trevino is a guy who's been in the league for a while and knows what he's doing back there. Yeah, I'm curious about Rortbet's injury and like you know how much the Yankees knew about it because and because this move apparently they did (laughs) no I know I know they knew about it but I don't know if they knew the full extent of it or like how long he's supposed to be out or whatever but yeah I wasn't loving just going into it with uh, Higashioka and Rortbet you know even if he was healthy right so just yeah bringing some a third one into a third uh, catcher into the mix uh, obviously, you know, Rortbet's injured, so this season we're going to start start with uh, Trevino and Higashioka on the roster, on the Major League roster. So, you know, just it's a, probably a better position to have three backup catchers instead of two as your tandem. But <laughs> Yeah, and especially since they weren't going to have Rortbet, they would have had to use Rob Brantley for a little while. And Rob Brantley is yeah. just not really a Major League option, even as a backup. So, and just getting Trevino in there, even though he can't really hit either, he could still hit a little bit better than Rortbet. So they're taking a step up there and all it really cost them was an out of options reliever and a draft pick from last year. So but you make that trade. It exactly. made perfect sense. So, yeah. And I, I just know, would have appreciated if, it breaking when I was not at a MLS match. <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? I think the other, other part of this is does Garrett Cole need a personal catcher? If all the catchers are backup catchers. Ooh, there you go. Who knows? <laughs> I guess like if he could just go with the Gashi, okay, that'll be fine. But it'd be funny if he just never cut, if he never threw to Higashioka. He's like, no, I need the backup catcher. He's like, no, oh, I'm over him now. Because I fully expect Higgy, uh, Higgy to get the majority of the starts at catcher. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's going to be a true, like, split or whatever. Yeah. Maybe, like, Trevino will start, like, two days a week or something. But I do think that Higashioka is going to get a lot of time. I think they're probably also cognizant that they don't want to immediately jump Higashioka up to, like, a full season workload either. And they also got to see if his bat will actually do that either. So, right, you know. Get some work there. All right. That's yeah. enough talking about backup catchers because <laughs> the Yankees are going full team backup catcher. So exactly. Yeah. And I guess we'll talk about just quick, really quick, a couple of names that are gone now. Clint Frazier signed with the Cubs uh, after he was non-tendered. Corey Kluber was not brought back. He signed with the Rays. Hopefully he's not annoying this year because that would be a very Rays thing to do. Oh, he absolutely will be annoying. Yeah. I'd, and I'd appreciate that. At least Clint Frazier is going to be out of the league so he can go, you know, Torch the National League Central if he wants. Right. Whoever the Reds and Pirates have happen to be throwing out there on any given day. Maybe exactly. it's you. <laughs> it's me. Yeah, I've given up homers to Clint Frazier. Yeah. That's more success in my life than I ever thought I would have had. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Brett Gardner does not look like he will be back at long last. It seems like the Yankees have decided to depart from him. I think signing Tim LaCastro even though he didn't make the opening day roster, he'll probably be up at some point this year. And he sort of scratches that same backup outfielder itch that Gardner did. And he has all the defense and speed of Gardner and is just younger. So yeah, there you and, go. I mean, and as, as much as I expected LaCastro to make the roster, um, the Yankees do have what five outfielders right now. Between uh, four sort of. Yeah. Four. It's like four. Cause they're, and it is a sign and, that they are going to be planning on using Giancarlo, uh, in the outfield more than last year right. again. And then Marwin Gonzalez can play a little exactly. outfield too. Yeah, so unless like somebody goes down with an injury and you need somebody to regularly play out there, I think they're fine for right now. And obviously, we'll talk about the uh, roster in a little bit more detail next, but or maybe we could just transition to that. But they're obviously going pitcher heavy because A, they have the two extra spots for the month of April because of the shortened spring. 
mm-hmm. and there's no limit on the pitchers and um, like the normal uh, roster limits until May 2nd. And basically you, everyone gets a free month where you can just do whatever you want with your roster mm-hmm. and they're going pitcher heavy, which I think as boring as it sounds and like kind of concerning as a three man bench is, I think it makes sense just because of like, you know, the workload on the pitchers, especially because like, again, outside of Garrett Cole and Jordan Montgomery, who are you really trusting to throw, you know, consistently every five days? Yeah. <laughs> like, early on in the season, I think they are going to need those innings. I don't love three man bench either. I think there are situations when you're going to want that fourth guy there, but I think it's just this, the hand that the Yankees are dealt with early on in the season. They're going to need people to, you know, give Severino a breather, give Nestor Cortez a breather. Cause he's not really like, he's mainly like a five inning guy. Uh, Jameson Tyone is working back from uh, his ankle surgery. So they might be taking it a little bit easy with him. And even, even Garrett Cole is going to be on a pitch count on opening day, like 85 right. pitches. I think he'll get up pretty quickly, but even still you, those innings have to be pitched and the Yankees do have a long, a long string of playing consecutive games. So they're going to need those bullpen spots. So that's where uh, these back of the bullpen guys come in. Might as well move on to them now because we heard uh, basically in the, either the day before or the hour before we recorded this podcast right. of uh, J.P. Sears, Rod Marinaccio, and Clark Schmidt all making the team. Woo. J.P. Sears is my favorite because I used to shop there a lot. Yeah. <laughs> call today. You'll call now. Yeah. And again, like, I don't expect anybody, any of these guys to, like, you know, stick around all year no. long. They'll probably be riding the shuttle. And I don't, I, they, they have, like, what? They're going to have 16 pitchers, I think, on the roster opening day. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that'll even last the full month of April, but they're just to start right now, they're going to go with that. And then maybe like a week or two, they'll probably do some shuffling once they, they, they realize that some of their arms are tired and they probably need another hitter or something like that. So I, I expect this to kind of be a influx roster. This is just what they're starting with. Mm-hmm. But like you said, to your point, they need the innings and that's just what they're going with right now. And I think it's a smart move. <laughs> yeah. And, it will be cool to see. I always like seeing major league debuts. So we'll get to see JP Sears and yeah. Ron Marinaccio get the pitch in the major leagues for the first time, which is a really huge deal to them, their friends and their families. So cool. We'll take yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And Clark Schmidt, maybe he can finally carve out some sort of swingman role for himself. Cause I know it's been hard for him to just stay on the field with his injuries the past few seasons, but maybe the answer is in one of these hybrid roles where he can, you know, stretch out when he needs to, and then also do short relief, sort of like Michael King's role, but who is also on the roster. Right. So yeah, Clark Schmidt's probably the one of those three that we'll probably see the most as long as he can stay healthy. That's mm-hmm. what I'm gonna assume, unless um one of the uh, uh Sears or Marinaccio just kind of blows everyone blows away the competition. <laughs> yeah, and Schmidt can step in uh, do a spot start if needed, and the Yankees will also have uh, Luis Heel and uh, a seemingly rejuvenated Debbie Garcia down at AAA to come up if they need help. And hopefully, you know, again, spring results are spring results, but hey, given how awful Debbie Garcia looked last year, it was nice to see him actually look competent in yeah, training. I need so, positive sign at this point from him. <laughs> yeah. So if he wants to restore his value, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. And, I'm sure he know, would just feel happier about it, too. Exactly. Because like it wasn't even just that he was struggling at the major league level last year. He was just struggling oh, He's getting lit up. Year. It was so bad. Yeah. Uh, every so, time, every time I did like a minor league box score and he was starting, it was just like, Ugh. <laughs> oh, you only had seven walks today. Good job. Yeah, progress. Yeah. I think there was like one where it was legitimately like, oh, he walked like five, but only gave up one hit. Uh, I guess that was a good day for him. That's, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, again, hopefully it was just whatever bad year for him and, you know, Obviously, he kind of got he got everyone excited when he made his debut a couple of years ago. But if he can kind of just figure things out and you know be at least find some success in AAA, then you know when he's inevitably called for a spot start, assuming you know he's actually doing well in AAA, hopefully that'll just carry forward and you know he can kind of show us what he showed us initially a couple of years ago instead of what we saw last year. Yeah. All right. And uh, then I think the last bit of business that the Yankees need to address is is a big bit of business, like almost literally, because uh, Aaron Judge has set a deadline for a contract extension for opening day, which is entirely reasonable on his end. So we will see uh, if they can come to an agreement or if Judge is going to enter a contract here. Actually, a little bit of breaking news for you. I've just received a a text message from my good friend, Carlos. Um, (laughs) He tells me that the Yankees have signed Judge to an extension. 
Carlos from Puerto Rico. You're on yes. the Pittsburgh Valley podcast. Yes. <laughs> no, just for those who don't know, um, Carlos Beltran made his Yes Network debut the other day, and he accidentally, quote unquote, alluded to the fact that the Yankees and Judge had agreed to an extension, but then later on clarified that he just meant that he hopes that an mm. extension works out because of what Judge means and yada, yada, yada. But it definitely got everyone to do like the eyes emoji for like a good 20 minutes where it was like, wait, what, what, what? Yeah. It's like, what did Carlos Beltran just do? But at, at the same time, like, Hey, front office, just get it done. Like I know Aaron judge has like an opening day deadline. So maybe by the time this podcast goes out, there will be an extension announced. I don't know what's taking them so long. It doesn't really like three weeks ago, we heard, Oh, the Yankees are preparing uh, an offer and they'll make him an offer within the next seven days. And then we heard, They'll make him an offer by opening day. Like just, just do it. Yeah, it just, seems like they may have it. they may have made him an offer, and like it hasn't really been like clear because they're trying to keep the negotiations private and not negotiate through like John Heyman leaks, which I, which I'm okay with. I, yeah, I'm very... we don't need we don't need the Bob Nightingale like the sides are moving ever closer to an agreement or whatever. <laughs> what was that one thing he said when like the lockout? Uh, that one day everyone thought the lockout was going to be over, but then it wasn't. He was like. Nothing is moving as everything is moving closer yeah. or something like that. Uh, actually, I, I, for some reason, I have the tweet bookmarked. I, I didn't even know I did this, but okay. <laughs> it is now midnight and no one is moving as the two sides moving ever so closer. <laughs> March 1st. And let the record show that it took them another like week and several more announcements of canceled games to actually come to an agreement. Nothing is moving as the sides are moving ever closer. God, well a, done, well done, Bob. Weird, what a weird time that was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, by the way, that whole lockout thing happened, I think, since our last podcast. We did, uh, I guess we did our Festivus one during the lockout, but that was just We did, like, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, okay, well, this is stupid. But we don't have time to get into the idiocy of the owner's lockout, so whatever. Yeah, we've we, we, we ranted about it enough. <laughs> yeah. But back to the judge extension, they do, that needs to be something. Honestly, they should have settled years ago because it's easier to, like, say okay this is a contract extension for like your ages 28 to i don't know 34 season then like at this point aaron judge is going to be 30 in april of this year so you'd be starting an extension in his age 31 season and that always makes things a little bit dicey that's what you know basically caused the braves and freddie freeman to separate uh, because freddie freeman wanted the sixth year but he's also was on the older end so then the braves elected to go for Matt olson instead and Freddie Freeman is a Dodger, and oh my God, that lineup is insane. It, but yeah, it feels like Judge probably has a price that he wants, and I just don't know that the Yankees are going to meet it. And that's it's going to be a bummer. But ugh, yeah, yeah, I, I th- that's part of why I'm happy the negotiations aren't happening happening publicly. Like we have no idea of what Judge is looking for or anything like that, and I'm okay with it because like I know. I'm just going to be like, well, that's, he's not asking for a lot. Give it to him. Give it to him. Something stupid, Yankees. Yeah. And then the Yankees are just going to break my heart. So I'd just rather find out when it happens instead of, you know, just every two days being updated on the fact that the Yankees are going to piss me off. Yeah. And the other uncertain thing is that even though New York City lifted their vaccine mandate, Toronto still has one in Canada. And there's a question he hasn't really answered either way, which I think is the answer right now yeah, about this, if he's this, vaccinated. So he's, we might not even be able to play those nine games in Toronto this year. And that, that would be bad. I think <laughs> every other kids, every, every other kids, sorry. Every other question, <laughs> every other question this man has asked, he answers so perfectly, but this one question, are you vaccinated? The dude cannot just answer. And, I, and like, I think we can all like, you know, everyone's speculating that it's him where nobody knows a hundred percent sure that he's mm-hmm. not vaccinated, but it, it's obviously heavily well, he implied knows. based on, well, yeah, <laughs> besides him and I'm sure the team, it's just so freaking annoying. Like if you're not vaccinated, own up to it. Why are you hiding? Mm-hmm. I think he's hoping like something gets resolved between now and then, but like, I mean, yeah, but like, yeah. just like, dude, just, just own up to it. It's nice that, you know, Randy Levine has as much power in New York politics as he does that he was able to get uh, uh, the mayor to lift the mandate for home, but you know, so it goes. <laughs> nice quote-unquote i just i did i did enjoy like the few like nets friends like brooklyn nets fans fan friends i have they're like oh Kyrie finally won the battle did he yeah no he just sort of like hung around until like opening (laughs) day was lingering and then it's like okay 
never mind. Yeah. And then Randy Levine came in with his ramen hair and was like, here, I will make you eat my hair unless you lift this. Yeah, he's like, I will reveal all your dirty secrets. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not dwell on this too much. We're going to get angry. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so the season's finally here upon us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with the judge extension. Obviously, I think you could sort of envision our reactions already. If they get it done, great. If they don't get it done, what are you doing? And that's Exactly. The... <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's uh, go into the season a little bit. The Yankees have a revamped hitting staff after how badly they fell in their face last year. Right. Was that entirely the fault of the coaches? I don't think so. But they certainly weren't doing anything right. That's for sure. So... Yeah, exactly. Like They didn't help. Yeah, as much as like they might have tried to, but whatever they were trying wasn't working. So, and again, I think we talked about it when we recorded after Aaron Boone was brought back, like which you and I, I think, would have been fine with moving on from Boone and finding somebody else. Mm-hmm. But we were also like, whatever about bringing Boone back. I think I remember that at least your take on it as well, because yeah. that was at least mine. Was like, all right, fine, you could bring Boone back, but you got to put better people around him because whatever was happening last year was not working. So, we're gonna give this new uh, coaching staff a try. Um, do you want to go through who's on the the, the, yeah. the the hitting coach staff? Yeah, our main hitting coach is uh, Dylan Lawson, who is, comes from the Yankees minor league system and had great results last season, honestly, with uh, the strides that players all throughout the minors made. And I could see why they would want to give him a shot at that. You know, promote from within. He's got a good system, and uh, he's bringing one of his assistants, Casey Dykes, on. Hensley Mullins, uh, former major leaguer and former hitting coach of the Giants, is going to be on the staff as an assistant hitting coach as well, since uh, Eric Chavez, who they initially hired for that role, was then hired to manage to um, be the hitting coach for Buck Showalter's Mets. So, yes. you know, you move on. You got another former major leaguer in there and one who was a hitting coach for three World Series, three World Series championship teams. So, not bad. Yeah, and it's like you want to see him get another, uh, get a managerial opportunity, but yeah. I'm not going to complain that he's on the, like, it kind of like shocks me that he's only quote, quote unquote, only an assistant hitting coach. And like, he couldn't get like a better role somewhere else, but I'm not going to complain about the fact that he's on the Yankees and helping their team. So yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. And yeah, the Eric Chavez situation was just funny. Cause like, yeah, they announced that he'd been hired as assistant hitting coach and, but he never even did had a game with them, yeah. but like he, got, he like, got a promotion. No. So good for him. He got a promotion. He's the, actually the main hitting coach for the Mets. So mm-hmm. congratulations to him. Good, good job. Yep. Good leveraging. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, we'll see what they can do with what this staff can what this coaching staff can do with the hitters. Cause I think one of the biggest question marks is Joey Gallo. Like before he came over to New York in the trade, we talked a lot about how he'd be a perfect fit in New York. You know, every, every like everything he does, you know, works. Um, yeah, he's obviously going to be a low average guy, but he's still a very good hitter. But his his second half of the season, or since he came over the trade, it was just bad. Yeah, um, he, yeah, he's got some work to do there. He's got some work to do with Glaber Torres, who has looked. His swings have looked better this spring. Again, take it for what it's worth. But they need Glaber Torres to provide a lot more than he did last year and the year before honestly so that's a big project for them and seeing what else they can get from this lineup and trying to turn DJ LeMahieu around back to his at least some facsimile of his 2019 to 20 self I don't know if he'll be batting champion guy again but at least if he can be hitting above average providing good production they will take that right and like this is going to sound weird. Like, hopefully, again, I'm, I'm using air quotes a lot today, but hopefully, in quotes, last year was just like injury related, like where he regressed and, you know, he, he's fully healthy. He can kind of get back to it. But that that's going to be huge, especially it's weird because he, he's now going to be playing that utility role he was originally signed for before he just like took over. Like, I'm gonna, just going to play every day because I'm awesome. So we'll see what he does with that. And it's funny because when they originally signed DJ LeMahieu, I was actually mad about that signing because he was, I'm like, I was like, he's not a utility guy. Marvin Gonzalez is available. They should have signed him. And now we have both. <laughs> Why not both? Except now Marvin exactly. Gonzalez is just kind of a guy. He's, yeah. he's the more utility guy, I guess. Yeah. I think DJ will still get more than his fair share of starts with how they'll rotate around the infield. I'm sure Glaber will get some days off. Connor Faleffel will get some days off. Uh, Donaldson, they'll probably want to put a DH out maybe once a week or so. So right. I think they'll get their playing time, and I'm sure there will be some injuries that will toss more stress into the mix too. So of course, injuries cannot go without it. 
like one of the biggest like the other thing is like obviously with Josh Donaldson you know DHing you were probably going to get a lot uh, or not a lot but a decent amount of the big boy outfield with Gallo Judge oh, yeah. and Stanton in the outfield but we'll also see like because obviously Aaron Hicks is a big question mark whether or not he can stay healthy hopefully he can because when he's healthy he brings a lot to the table uh, like you know in the lineup and defensively he may not be who he was when he first came over from Minnesota but you know he's still fine I think his arm is just not the same but you know it'll, yeah. it'll just I'm just curious to see if he can make it <laughs> yeah you know he's the biggest question mark really in this lineup I think maybe one could even argue he's the biggest question mark on the team just because you don't know how much you can count on him you don't know how much his bat's going to bounce back from how bad he looked early last year when he was actually playing maybe that was like trying to play through an injury that ended up ending his season but he just looked lost for his month and a half or whatever in the major leagues so he's got to get back on track otherwise he's not going to play in this outfield no. I know he signed for a long time and they're going to give him a lot of rope to try to get back on track and in 2020 as recently enough he was a great switch hit bat in there so they really want him and we'll see what he can provide but yeah who knows yeah, and this is kind of why, like, we, when we talked earlier about the catcher spot, like, I'd be okay going with, with their catching plan their, uh, with just kind of all the all backup team if the rest of the lineup wasn't as murky. But with the murkiness of the lineup, it's it just doesn't put me make me feel great about it. But, hey, I'm happy to be proven wrong. I love when the Yankees prove me wrong. Yeah. Just don't do it very often. <laughs> yes, and they'll be counting on um, Stanton to, you know, have a done have another full healthy season again. That's right. A, a, even though he did it last year, you still just don't know. And yeah, ideally, and he does Judge what he does too, last like, year again. But like health is a big question. Even like Judge, can he stay healthy? Like obviously he did last year, which was great. But you know, you want to make sure that they can do it. So whatever, if it's giving days off, if it's DHing, or if it's in Stanton's case, letting him play the outfield more, whatever works. Just Hopefully it works. And then we also talked, we talked about Rizzo already, so we don't need to get too much into that. But, you know, he was perfectly fine in 21. Maybe he can kind of give a little bit more than perfectly fine, which would be nice. But I don't think he'll be worse than perfectly fine either. Yeah, it's like a very much just, uh, this is what he is. He's 32 years old. This is just a fine first baseman at this point. He'll probably get some good Yankee Stadium homers. He can turn on a bad pitch. Sort of like a, a late stage Mark Teixeira, maybe. Right. But hopefully with um, more production than like Teixeira's last season with the Yankees. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully it works, as you said. The uh, story of the 2022 Yankees. Yes. Because <laughs> they got some, you know, even though the, the pitching staff did a really good job last year under Matt Blake, they got some question marks in that rotation too. We got to see how those how those five starters hold up over the season. Obviously not really worried about Cole, but everyone else in there is has their own bits of question marks. It's just a matter of alle- alleviating the risk and trying to find some way for Matt Blake to usher them to the finish line, just like he did last year. Right. Yeah, like, again, we don't need to go too much into it because we talked about it already, but like Severino, obviously coming back from an injury, can he, you know, how many innings can he give you? Tyon, uh, Jamison Tyon, which which Jamison Tyon are we going to get? Like the one in the first half, which was brutal, or the one who was like had like a one ERA in August? <laughs> Montgomery, can he make it past the fifth inning? Because yeah, he, he I needs don't to stop think... going five and dive. He's I mean, yeah. probably early early on he will not be just because he's still like they're still building up arm strength. But yeah, they need more innings from him. I know that they have a good right. bullpen, but that they need to get more innings out of Jordan Montgomery. Yeah, like. He he's gonna be solid every time out, but he just needs to get be give him at least like another inning or inning or two every once in a while at least. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Nestor, how much will his mustache power him again? Is the biggest question. Yeah, because that was such a ridiculously weird thing that was going on. That suddenly for a while there, he was pretty much their like either best or second best starter, <laughs> right. and it's just literally Nestor Cortez who was on non roster invitee last year. So exactly, I would but, love it, and it seems like the Yankees have been making some good pitching innovations with like the slider and Matt Blake's uh, gas station. So hopefully they can keep it going. They have at least they have a pretty good bullpen behind them to usher them through these middle inning stretches. Cause when you got like uh, Miguel Castro as like your fifth guy on the depth chart, then that's doing some good work. Obviously this bullpen is uh, headlined by my favorite uh, reliever, Lucas Litke, AKA the stay at home dad. dad. Yes. He's back. <laughs> you guys thought I wouldn't mention that, didn't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> of course. 
Yeah, and you got uh, Clay Holmes for a full season now, and he was so good right. after he came over from the Pirates with the Yankees that I feel pretty good about him in like the seventh inning. Then you still got Wandy Peralta around, and Chad Green is in his last year possibly with the Yankees. Then you have uh, the bullpen ace from last year, Jonathan Loisega. He's going to be counted on ace. to repeat that. <laughs> yeah, the actual ace of the staff of that yeah. bullpen. Yeah, and then and there's then, the the closer who's kind of annoying who we don't really want to yeah, talk about. So. Yeah, I'm over it. Yeah, <laughs> We whatever. talked too much about him already. Yeah, hope, hope there's another guy who's hopefully in his last year with the Yankees. But <laughs> Fingers crossed. Mm. All right. Okay, should we move on a little bit to some divisional talk before we wrap things up? Yeah, just kind of like probably go through the overall highlights of what each team did. <laughs> yeah. So Red Sox, they for a long time they did nothing, nothing at all. And it was nice. But then they got Trevor Story. So it was like Which okay, was not as nice. Fine, whatever. That was a and it was like not like the Correa thing where it was like a short term contract. They did give him a legitimate contract for six years. So he's going to be there for a while. And I think he is going to have a lot of fun with the Green Monster. So that's going to be. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. I mean, I generally don't root for like the away from Coors effect or whatever it's called. But because he's with Boston, I'm going to root for that. And just hopefully he just is bad. Yeah. <laughs> Until they, you know, somebody rids them of his contract, so then Boston could go on and win a World Series. Then he could be good after that. But yeah, so somebody randomly decides to do Boston a favor because people like to do that for reasons I can't understand. Yeah, um, that lineup yeah. is going to be difficult to deal with yet again. I just, yeah. uh, if if Boston does let Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers walk eventually, I'm going to be pleased because they are so good and really just tough to pitch around and that's it's a very full lineup front to bottom too and you got and kike hernandez doing a lot too in a low-key role alex verdugo had a good year jd martinez still probably going to be pretty good so i'm just glad they didn't bring back carl schwarber because he was terrific for right. them in the yeah, second he, half <laughs> it made no sense but again they were just hell-bent on doing nothing until they signed trevor story so i wasn't yeah. complaining I guess the but, generous way to look at it is that they sort of replaced Schwarber's bat with Trevor Stories, and I think he'll be tedious as well. But well, probably not as much as uh, Schwarber did down stretch. So yeah, I I, I think I, again you're I think I still like Schwarber's bat a little bit better than Stories, but it's not a bad replacement yeah. if you have to have one. Um, that being said, hopefully uh, Garrett Cole just shoves on Thursday and just shuts them all down. Yeah, <laughs> and the, nice. their weakness is that they don't really have a lot of pitching behind Nate Baldy at the front. And, well, and, you know, and now Chris Sale's on the 60-day IL again, so he's missing a, ch- a huge chunk of, chunk of time. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and they, they, yeah. Lost, they lost Eduardo Rodriguez from their staff because he signed with the Tigers. He was not like uh, gangbusters, but a perfectly fine starter yeah. who took a bunch yeah. of starts for them. And surprise, I'm pitching for the Reds and giving up homers to Clint Frazier. So you're pitching to, for the Red Sox and giving up homers to Aaron Judge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope let's hope for that. That would be much nicer. <laughs> I would dear Boston Red Sox, please hire me to be your starting uh, starting pitcher for you. I will do it. Happily. Yes. Okay. So moving on from Boston, who I have right now finishing fourth in the division, just because it's and I don't even think they're like a terrible team, but I think the teams ahead of them are just going to be better. And we got yeah, the Blue Jays only... who uh, yeah. the Blue Jays did nuts. their typical <laughs> thing. Yeah. They're, I think they're probably the division favorite. I think it, one thing that is not really being discussed as much is that they did lose a lot of production from Marcus Simeon and Robbie right. Ray. So it's not like they're at the people that they added this year are going to be adding value or like replacing what those guys brought last year. So the pressure is going to be on your, you know, Matt Chapman to step up. Yeah, but they also have a full season of uh, Jose Barrios now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like they they also have apparently home field advantage in the sense that, you know, obviously we talked about the vaccine mandate. So a lot of teams are going to be missing players when they come to play oh, yeah. in Toronto, which works for them, and they're smart to go about that way or do whatever Absolutely. they do. But no, hey, it's like, it's, and I, it's I forget who said this. Kind of go all in. <laughs> yeah, I forget who said this, but you know, it's like some people were complaining about it, but it's like whatever. And also, they deserve a break after you know having to play the last two seasons in like Buffalo, Dunedin. Mm. They only got to Toronto in like July of last year. Right. Yeah. And again, if you're gonna let like star players walk or go away or trade them or do whatever, you 
you don't just do that and then bring in like a freaking Steven Drew or whatever. You do that and you still bring in adequate talent or good talent or superstar potential. So you still yeah. go in and get like Chapman and whatever. And they're still trying for Jose Ramirez from the Guardians. So kudos to them for like not just letting Simeon walk and, and just be like, oh, okay, whatever. We're, we're, we're okay with it. Yeah, um, they, they lost Ray and Steven Matz from their pitching staff, but then they signed Kevin Gossman and Yusei Kokuchi. And right. who's to say how much they will fill those roles, but those are legitimate pitchers who will step up. And I think they'll be looking for more from like Alec Manoa too. So they have a just a really good team up there. And that's, we haven't yeah. even said the name Vladimir Guerrero Jr. yet. That, that exactly. Is, <laughs> that man uh, is otherworldly. <laughs> his power, man. It's yeah. out of this world. And, also that Bo Bichette guy who I feel like is – low-key a big yankee pain in the ass yeah i don't think it's low-key yeah never mind it's not low-key anymore yeah also they have um, george they have george springer on this team i keep forgetting that like right, yes. he was injured was... for part of last year but when he's in that lineup his his bat is still dangerous as it was in houston that's actually exactly what i was gonna say it's like you said we haven't mentioned guerrero jr yet but we also haven't mentioned george springer who's just there yeah that's another lineup that's <laughs> yeah I think, I, mean, I, I think I I agree and I think everyone agrees that Toronto is probably the division favorite right now mm-hmm. but honestly between Toronto, Tampa and not to sound biased, New York, like any one of those you could put any one of those three, line them up one, two, three and no matter how the season ends I don't think anyone would be surprised with any one of them in whatever spot they fall in between one, two and three. <laughs> no, yeah, and the Red Sox are always capable of putting together like a very offense heavy season that guides them to the top two or at least oh, absolutely. to a wild card spot. So I yeah. I am not stupid enough to count the Red Sox out. No. But like especially with the Red Sox, you know, they're gonna like randomly just be the best team in baseball until June, then like have like a bad week and then be like, Where are the underdogs? Nobody like, believes in us. Yeah, our favorites. <laughs> and then Tampa's just in a constant state of being annoying. Yeah, Tampa, who can just, you know, trade Austin Meadows like days before the start of the season. And it's like, oh, yeah. And we also have this uh, this great prospect who's going to come up and take a spot and it'll be totally fine. So it's like, right. whatever. And yeah. it's, I hate that they can do that. And it's so bad for baseball labor, but it's just a ruthless system of efficiency down there that yeah. I hate. <laughs> and, and so like, if you're an NFL fan, I think the Philadelphia Eagles, they want to be like this quarterback factory where they just churn out quarterbacks. Like they don't really care who's starting and just, you know, they just want to just keep rotating them and do all that. They basically want to be the Rays of football. Yeah. Because <laughs> the Rays just churn out players and it somehow always works out for them. And I don't get it. I don't like it. I'm yeah, impressed slightly, but I hate it. Yeah, it's the, the breaking bad gif of like, you can't keep getting away with it. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and one yeah, of these years, do. like, it's not going to work out. And they're probably, they might fit to get a wild card spot anyway, just because they're that good. But like, right. for three years now, and they almost made the playoffs in 2018 too. So they're, they're yeah, just going to be like, annoying. Like I say, a constant state of just annoying. Every game at the trap tube is its own adventure. So. Exactly. And I think my, my pick, actually, I went, I zigged a little bit with my AL MVP pick. Wander Franco is just a really terrific young talent, and he's only 20 years old. I think he's going to have a huge season. I predicted Aaron Judge as MVP with his 74 home runs, even though he's still not leading the team, just like last year. Oh, okay. Well, thank yeah. you. Giancarlo's <laughs> still leading the team with 75, but Judge still wins the MVP. <laughs> Hey, you know what? We'll take it. Oh, by the way, I well, misstated. Wander Franco is an ancient 21 years old. He turned 21 in March. Oh, oh so he's basically in Brett Gardner level. <laughs> yes, yes. Not Born much March 1st, 2001. Nope. Jiminy Crickets. <laughs> nope. I'm None of that. Right there. <laughs> Don't like that. And you're my Mitre of the week, just for that. <laughs> yeah, he, I think he is the first player from 2001 to be in the major leagues. Yeah. But also, I mean, one th- I guess one thing we will say, just to detour a little bit from the Yankees. I do appreciate that other than the Pirates doing dumb things and keeping O'Neill Cruz down for a couple of weeks to work on his defense, we are seeing more teams actually putting their top talent on the opening day roster and yeah, not playing Mariners, service time. Right? Yeah, like Julio Rodriguez on the Mariners, Bobby Witt Jr. on the Royals, yep, the Royals. Uh, Spencer Torkelson on the Tigers, and they yep. would have done it with uh, Riley Green too if he hadn't gotten his any foot injury of some kind during his last game against the Yankees. But yeah. they're trying to – oh, Hunter Green on the Reds, too. Even the Reds were doing this. So hopefully these new incentives for 
keeping your rookies on the roster all year long will help a little bit. I don't know how much it will. I think you're still going to get some cases where the teams will keep guys down for three weeks, right. get another year anyway, but Hey, we'll take it. Not to kind of deviate too much again, but I did read a cool story about uh, when uh, Spencer Torkelson found out he's, he's making the team on opening day. Miggy was in the room, was in the office or in the room with them, whatever, and handed him a first base club just as like a passing of the torch moment. That was pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's, that's gotta be a surreal moment, honestly, for him. Like, yeah, oh, exactly. yeah, no pressure. I still remember when, uh, do you know about this, when Spencer Torkelson was drafted, for some reason, Guy Fieri knows about him and he was like, congratulations to my friend Spencer Torkelson. I did not know this. <laughs> <laughs> okay sure Why not? Like, all right cool cool Bring man Torkel town yeah <laughs> yeah uh guy fietti spencer torkelson will be quote dynamite for detroit tigers thanks man sure if you say so oh probably... before we move on i guess we should mention the orioles they signed brook and odor and are there oh. there's the divisional talk <laughs> yeah there thank you for participating orioles uh hey whenever Whenever Adley Rutschman is uh, healthy again, he'll probably be on the roster before long, and he's going to be a pain to deal with, just like Cedric Mullins. The Orioles do have some guys in there who, are, again, can be passed, and they were passed to the Yankees last year, too, so maybe we shouldn't yeah. overlook them too much, but they're still probably going to lose 100 games. Probably. Yeah. Pirates will probably lose more, so they at least have that going for them. Congratulations to the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Okay. Yay. I will yeah. think we've you pretty much... Mo- covered everything right i think so should we do the yankee and mitre of the week slash off season yeah I figure we here. can just combine well, it into like one overall thing to pick, pick somebody who stands out for you all right we're ready for yankee and mitre of the week or off season whatever you want to go to yeah right. <laughs> who's your yankee of the week so i'm gonna go with josh donaldson he's having himself a very impressive spring making a good impression uh, I last I checked, he had like an 1189 OPS. I don't know if that's changed or not because I don't remember if he's played over the last two days. But regardless, you know, when your favorite team goes out and gets like a big name player that's his first spring training with the team, you want him to make a good impression. And Josh Donaldson has done just that. So hopefully this will carry on and, you know, he can stay healthy. Like, I mean, obviously, we don't really have much concerns about the bat as much as we have just is, is his, uh, are his legs problems going to just keep appearing all year. But a good start for him uh, and i'm happy with that and good for him yeah simple enough makes sense i think yep. i'll follow that page too we'll i uh, will give it up for uh yankees spring training mvp uh kyle Higashioka, i guess i don't know if he will hit seven home runs in two weeks again this year but don't hey. know if he'll hit seven home runs all year <laughs> yeah, yeah that's far from clear as well but hey it's good to see him swinging the bat well let's just you know that cliche save it for the regular season too but He's got a lot of expectations and he's going to have a lot to prove and he is doing what he needs to do right now. So, yeah, like obviously he's going to have his doubters. Most of them are named Kun Shah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to try and prove somebody, try and prove somebody wrong, that's again, it's obviously spring training, whatever, but that's the type of spring you should be having to just be like, Hey, shut up loser. Yeah. To me, not. So, Hey, Keep calling me a loser, Kyle. I, I hope for nothing from the best for you. <laughs> yeah, challenge him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, who's your Mitre? Uh, so, obviously, with the Yankee, I went with the week. But the Mitre, I'm going to kind of just go over the offseason. As much as I enjoyed some of the moves that the Yankees have made, I, they obviously could have done more. Um, there, there was a lot of talent out there available. Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson. Obviously, he, you needed to trade for Olson, but... They could have done a lot more at first base. They could have done a lot more at shortstop between Correa, Seager, Story, Semyon, almost even. There's a lot they could have done, and they ended up going with uh, bringing Josh Johnson, which is good. Isaiah kind of off and uh, Anthony Rizzo, and it's just meh. So my Mitre is going to be Hal Steinbrenner, Brian Cashman, and the front office as a whole. Fair. Yeah. yeah. It, it hasn't been a bad offseason, but just – when you're the New York Yankees and you can do so much more than you've done, you deserve to not get praised for just doing the bare minimum and just participating. Yeah, it fits under the the category of fine, like which is better than you know detrimental. Was it like they didn't not replace these guys? Yeah, just, they didn't you know, make the team worse. Yeah, they just didn't do anything to improve a team, which again annoying. But yeah, yeah that's that's what I have. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go a similar angle for my Mitre the offseason. As a reminder, 
we should be at the start of the season already. And the reason we're not is because the owners locked the players out, didn't talk to them for like 45 days and then delayed the start of the season by about a week. I mean, at least they finally were able to get together and they did hash it out so that we are going to get 162 games. So we're not losing any, but opening day should have already started. And that's, it, it just sucks that it got pushed back. People's plans got messed up. Some people, you know, go out of their way to make an expedition up to like New York for opening day or to wherever they want for opening day. And as yeah, a result, they, they weren't able to do even that. Just take, people will just take the day off to sit at home and watch the game, especially because like, you know, the, the first game is usually a day game and all that. So like yeah. people just take the day off. Like they don't have to necessarily travel, but there's a lot of inconveniences that go around with what they did. And it was all for no reason, to be honest. So Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, opening day is going to happen, but should have happened already. That's on the owners for, you know, being petulant and demanding every last sense and like yes baseball is a business but the way that you're conducting the business is detrimental to its future which will dent your revenues in some way so come on guys you're dumb yeah <laughs> all right we, we we kept the uh kept the slander to mostly a minimum i think so so i, I think if you or i wanted we could have said a lot worse so oh, i'll take yeah. it <laughs> Yeah. We're the Yankees of the week, actually, for not completely bashing everyone and everything. Yeah. Good job, us. Yeah. Rob Manford still sucks, though. I'm not going to go through a podcast without saying that. Yes. <laughs> Who That's will fair. be the lucky owner to hold up the hunk of metal at the end of the season? Woo! We hope it is the Yankees. But we are excited to go on this journey again. It's going to be nice to have baseball back. Real baseball that matters. And let's see how the 2022 Yankees shape up. We'll be back to a weekly podcast. So we'll uh, catch up and talk about the day's latest actions. So stay tuned with us throughout 2022. Any more thoughts, Kunch? Are you good? Kaka indeed. Full circle. Back to Greg Bird. The very story of the Yankees offseason. Nothing is more important. Kaka. Oh, happy retirement, Andrew Miller by the way. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Kudos Quick thing. Congratulations. Yeah. And it's unfortunate <laughs> that I remembered it because of Greg Bird hitting a home run off Andrew Miller, but he was a good Yankee too. <laughs> he was. Yeah. He ended games a lot. <laughs> he did. He did. All right. So that'll do it for us. You can follow us on Twitter at Pinstrip Valley. You can follow me at Burns PSA. Where can we find you? This year, we're not finding me anywhere. I'm yeah. out. <laughs> You're out. You're off Twitter. Yeah. It's, it's over. Yeah. So go baseball. Go Yankees. We'll see you later. Yep.